Hey, it's your mental performance coach, Tuck Taylor, with another episode of NeuroBeast Podcast, where it's our mission to get you wired to win. All right. Next in our series on the origins of confidence, we're going to talk about physiological regulation. Stay tuned. All right. So what are we talking about when we refer to physiological regulation? Well, that's your ability to control your thoughts, your emotions, and the physiological sensations that are going on in your body in pressure situations. So let's say you're a basketball player and your team is down one point and you have the ball and you're going to be the one that takes the last shot. Can you get your physiology to the point to where you are more optimal to perform well in that situation. So can you control your heart rate? Can you bring your blood pressure down? Can you control your breathing in these situations so that you're not in this state of fight or flight, but you're in this state where your mind, brain, and body are all optimized to make this shot, all right? And when we achieve and when we you know, conquer situations like this, that's what really gives us another boost of confidence, right? Now we know that we can handle ourselves in pressure situation. When push comes to shove, when our back's against the wall, we have the mental tools that are able to allow us to still be able to perform our best when it matters the most. So it's been my experience as a mental performance coach that Athletes aren't created the same when it comes to handling outside stress and managing their physiology and their emotions correctly. And so there's you know usually three different types of athletes that I run into when it comes to this. So the first, I call them hype mics. So these are athletes that have an emotional intensity that's high. Uh, these athletes seem rushed, out of control, and are likely to be distracted by fans, playing conditions, and trash talk. All right, so it's easy to get these guys revved up. Uh, they tend to focus on outcomes, which causes them to force the action and takes them out of the natural flow of the game. All right, so these athletes are more likely to kind of play that hero ball. Uh, they feel like it's all on them or all or nothing, uh, and which usually leads to not the best situations. All right. These athletes also lack the emotional intelligence and self-awareness needed to slow down and are often characterized as being too aggressive. All right. So, you know, if we think about maybe like a Russell Westbrook or a Draymond Green, so athletes that, you know, once they get too hype or too revved up, they're out of their natural flow of their game. All right. So the next type of athlete is exact opposite of the hype mic. I call them sluggish Sam's. So where hype mics, their emotional intensity is too high, sluggish Sam's, their emotional intensity is too low. So these athletes might seem slow and lethargic. Uh, Sometimes they appear to be bored and not in tune with what's going on in the game. They tend to focus on past events and appear to have their heads in the clouds. So while these athletes are competing, they might be thinking about what they're going to have for dinner or a homework assignment that's coming up. They're They're not in the game. They're not present in the moment. They also lack the emotional intelligence and skills needed to dial up their energy and are often characterized as lazy, all right? So 
when we talk about arousal levels, these athletes are under aroused and they need to have game plans and strategies ready to dial up their arousal level so it's optimal to perform their best. So the last emotional intensity type that I see in athletes, and these are these occur in my elite athletes that have optimum performance, I call them cool cams. So these athletes are emotionally intelligent and have the ability to be competitively engaged in the game. And this, they can do this without getting too hype, right? They're just at the right level of arousal to where they're not jumping into that fight or flight stage. They're staying in a state to where their brain can still make intelligent decisions about the things that are occurring in their environment. Uh, these athletes are self-aware and they can adjust their energy and effort to coordinate with the demands of their sport. So when people ask, like, you know, do, does my arousal level need to be super high? Does it need to be super low? You know, to tell you the truth, it's different in different sports, all right? And the athlete that can allocate their energy in the right direction are the ones that are going to be the most successful. So meaning that the athletes that are allocating their energy to focus and the process are the ones that are, end up being more successful. The ones that spend any energy on the what ifs or responding to crowd noise or weather conditions or to have negative self-talk are the ones that are gonna end up struggling at some point, all right? Uh, back to you know the cool cam, their performance is seen as smooth, but also assertive. All right, so these, they're not forcing the action like the hype mic, but they're still asserting themselves when needed. So the, the thing that's you know great about that is that no matter what's going on around them, they're going to still be able to impact the game in some way. Uh, when I think about a cool cam, I, I think about an athlete like Stephen Curry who – you know, if you look at his career in the games, he'll, he has his games are sometimes up and down. You know, we're in, we're in the middle of the NBA Finals right now, and game four he scores 43 points, and then game five he scores 16 points. All right, but he still remained competitively focused in that last game and still made a positive impact on his team. All right, he didn't allow his arousal level to get to unhealthy levels to where his impact on his team was going to be affected. All right, so remember, cool cams, they they have the strategies and the tools ready to regulate their emotions so that they their physiology is primed to perform the best it can in the moment. All right, so let's talk about some tools and strategies that you can use to help get your level of arousal and your emotional intensity to a level that's going to help you play your best when it matters the most. All right, so I have five primary tools that I teach to my athletes. The first is the easiest and the most effective, and it's breathing, all right, breath work. So for athletes that might be in that state of high arousal, high emotional intensity, being able to do box breathing, diaphragmatic breathing, uh, these are just easy breath work tools that can help regulate your physiology, all right? You're pretty much bringing your breath under conscious control, which then in turn helps regulate all the rest of the physiological functions in your body, 
All right. Again, the biggest thing with all these tools and strategies is that you just have to be emotionally intelligent enough to recognize that you're in these states and be able to, in that moment, be able to be mindful enough to use these tools and strategies. All right. The second thing that we teach our athletes is perception. So perception is all about how you are perceiving what's going on in that situation. So uh, you know, we go back to the original example we used, you know, five seconds left in the game, your team's down by one, you have the ball. Now, if you are perceiving this as life or death, if you're worrying about letting your teammates down, letting yourself down, letting your parents down, letting your school down, you know, letting your country down, you are definitely going to enter into a state of fight or flight because you're perceiving this moment as a threat to your well-being. And anything that our brain interprets as a threat to our well-being, it's going to initiate that fight or flight response to help protect you. All right. It's an adaptive trait. But in that situation, it's maladaptive. Being overly hyped, being overly emotional in those states where we need to be our most calm is not going to be effective. All right. So when you perceive these situations as a challenge, your whole physiology, your whole physiology changes. All right. You produce a chemical called DHEA, which helps enhance your mood. And it also helps connect neurons in your brain that are associated with problem solving. So instead of freaking out, your, your mood's going to elevate and you're going to be in a more of a problem solving mode than a problem focused mode. The next thing I tell my athletes to do is, you know, choose your music wisely. Now, again, emotional intelligence is key. If you are a sluggish Sam and you have a hard time, you know, getting your arousal level up for the game, you're definitely going to want something more upbeat, something a little bit, probably a little bit more aggressive uh, with your music type. But if you are someone that's uh, already too hype, you might want to listen to jazz music or R&B music, something more soothing that's going to help lower your level of arousal to where it's going to be optimal. The fourth tool that we have is implementing some kind of neural priming prior to competition. All right, so this is a, uh, kind of a newer thing. You see it a lot in Formula One, but it helps the athlete, gets the athlete's brain to a level of focus that's going to be needed for a competition. All right, so this is just doing simple cognitive drills. Uh, it could be tennis ball drills. It can be stepping to pads. It could be, you know, responding to different stimulus that your coach is throwing at you. But what this does, it helps get you to a state of focus that's going to be needed for your actual game or competition. And last but not least, mindful meditation. All right. We hear a lot about mindful meditation, being present in the moment. And that's what meditation does. It helps train your brain how to be present in the moment, how to be, how to recognize different sensations going on in your body, different sounds happening in your environment, and it allows you to interpret these things in effective ways where you can still stay present and you can not be distracted by outside stimulus that's irrelevant to the task at hand. All right. And so, you know, a good way to start out with Practicing mindful meditation is just sitting in a quiet room, sitting upright in a chair, and just focusing on the sensation of your breath. The more that you make that your focal point, the more that you're going to see there's other things that are going to try to distract you from that. But when you find yourself distracted from that, just bring it right back to your breath. 
And that's building, we call it mental muscle of focus so that you are able to train the brain to be focused on one thing for extended periods of time. 